Welcome to Breaking Brad, cooking up only the hottest of takes for you this evening. I'm going to start out with this story about uh, Kevin Durant. He is agreeing to stay with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, this comes just a couple months after he demanded his trade and a few weeks after he gave the Nets an ultimatum saying, hey, it's either me or GM Sean Marks and head coach Steve Nash. Well, it looks like uh, he's going to stay in Brooklyn after all the hurrah. Um, Brooklyn Nets GM Sean Marks issued a statement on Tuesday saying, Steve Nash and I, together with Joe Tsai um, and Clara Wusai, met with Kevin Durant and Rich Kleiman in Los Angeles yesterday. We have agreed to move forward with our partnership. We are focusing on basketball with one collective goal in mind, building a lasting franchise to bring a championship to Brooklyn. Um, so... What exactly happened here? We know Durant really wanted out. Um, he, he gave his ownership an ultimatum, and which was you know very serious, uh, basically threatening to hold out of the season if they didn't fire Steve Nash and their general manager. But now all is good. So let's figure out what exactly happened. Um, first, you know, we're, we're hearing the Celtics seem to be the favorite to acquire Durant. Now, a story did come out yesterday that said the Memphis, Memphis Grizzlies were also one of the favorites in pursuit of Durant. Uh, but overall, I think the answer to this is simple. The Nets just couldn't get in return what they wanted for one of the best players in the NBA. You know, teams in contention that showed interest in Durant, the Celtics, the Grizzlies, the Raptors, the Heat, they had no plans to blow up their respective young cores. I mean, think about what Brooklyn wanted from Boston. They wanted Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, two young players, two superstars in their mid-20s, in exchange for someone who's arguably better, but in their mid-30s with a recent history of injury. And look, we saw in the postseason this year, uh, Tatum, was com he completely outplayed Durant. He played better defense, he played better offense, he was the overall better player. Now, of course, once you got to the NBA Finals, Tatum had a rough series with Andrew Wiggins guarding him. I think Kevin Durant might have been a lot better um, in that situation. Uh, but either way, you know, uh, the Celtics were not going to give up you know, Tatum and Brown in exchange for Durant, who if he goes down, suddenly it's not even a playoff team anymore. They didn't even want to give up Marcus Smart. Um, and Jalen Brown. Basically, the Celtics offered Jalen Brown, Derek White, a solid um, potential starter, but usually a backup uh, point guard and a first-round pick. And the Nets said, no, that's not enough. We want one of the other guys, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, uh, or Robert Williams, uh, their, their starting center, um, who also has an injury history of his own, but really looks like to be a modern-day Bill Russell out there. Uh, but no team really could offer... Um, really what the Celtics or any of these other teams could offer. Um, and the Nets just decided, hey, we're going to bring Durant in and we're going to try um, to talk him out of this. And, you know, look, perhaps the Nets, they told KD, look, we can trade you to Orlando. We can trade you to Detroit, Indiana. Want to go back to Oklahoma City where it all started? I don't think Durant wanted to do any of those things. In, in his mid-30s, you know, he's he would not have gone to a contender, and KD would finish his career in irrelevancy. So I think they had to, KD had to have an honest conversation uh, with the Nets owner, um, with their GM, and said, hey, look, you're not going to go where you want to go. Uh, you know, you, you don't have a no-trade clause. Do you really want us to go through with this? 
because you're going to end up playing for the Indiana Pacers and you're not going to be in contention for a championship for the rest of your career. And ultimately, this ended up being probably the right choice for both sides. The Nets, they still have Kyrie Irving, they still have KD, and a fairly deep roster. Hopefully Ben Simmons will work out a little bit better. That trade was a disaster. I understand why Durant wanted Sean Marks out after that trade. I get it what he means about Steve Nash, too. I mean, he was completely outcoached by Ime Udoka, but they have a good team. They just need to get bigger, they need to get more physical, and they need to improve on the defensive end. The offense is fine. They have more than enough offensive stars, but as much as people say this is an offensive league, this is a defensive league. It's very physical once you get into the postseason. You can just kind of coast your way through the regular season. But once things get real in the playoffs, you start to see, um, you know, that that point total for each team go down drastically. And I mean, you saw how physical the finals were between the Celtics and the Warriors. You saw the the Warriors and the Grizzly series, and the Celtics and the Heat throwing elbows. The Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, those are tough teams to beat, and the Nets really got to get more physical. But overall, there's a reason they were still the odds-on favorite to make the finals at the start of the playoffs, despite being the number seven seed. They certainly have the talent to win it all. They just need to improve in terms of their size and on the defensive side of the uh, basketball. This is very similar to what happened with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers a couple years ago. Uh, Rodgers demanded a trade. Um, He had a bit of a fallout with the team and ultimately ended up working it out. They patched things up and Rodgers signed an extension with the Packers. And, you know, he's he's not going to (laughs) get the same sort of talent. Um, You know, Devontae Adams is gone. They don't have the cap space bringing him back. Um, but, you know, Kevin Durant's in a good situation, and you, you you have to have some perspective on it. He wanted out of Golden State, was an even better situation there. Um, and I think his reputation was hurting him. You know, this, this constant feeling that the grass is greener on the other side. Teams see that, and they were not going to trade their young core. They weren't going to trade two or three star players for Durant, who may just end up getting hurt or may create rumors in the media um, if he's not satisfied with something. Now, the Nets, there's still going to be a bit of a garbage fire because they have Durant, because they have Kyrie. There's a lot of distractions there, but they still have a shot at winning the NBA title next year if they can get things together and improve on the defensive end. Um, So, look, this ultimately ended up working out. Um, I think this is the best case scenario for KD. Uh, Had he been able to go to the Celtics um, and, you know, just a nice swap for Jalen Brown and another, you know, role player or two and a bunch of draft picks, that would have maybe been a better uh, scenario for him. He would have been, had a better shot at making the championship, but it also would have hurt his reputation because he left Golden, uh, he left OKC to go to Golden State, a team that beat him in the playoffs. He's not going to do that again in Boston. It would not have been a good look for him. Um, so it ended up working out, I think. Um, you know, I, I was kind of secretly hoping we'd see him in Boston, but uh, you can't be upset with the Celtics' young core and some of the moves they made this offseason. Going to be tough for the Nets to get where they want to go, uh, but like I said, they can get a little more physical, get a little more size, improve on the defensive end. They have a real shot at making it to the NBA Finals, um, but they need to have a better regular season, a better first-round uh, matchup, be able to build some momentum instead of going up against the Celtics right away, as they did, and they ultimately uh, got swept. Uh, So another story that broke today, the Los Angeles Angels are reportedly for sale. Um, Their owner, Artie Moreno, initiated the formal process of potentially selling the franchise. Uh, the, The owner, Moreno, issued a statement saying, Although this difficult decision was entirely our choice and deserved a great deal of thoughtful consideration, 
My family and I have ultimately come to the conclusion that now is the time. Throughout this process, we will continue to run the franchise in the best interest of our fans, employees, players, and business partners. Now, Moreno, if you don't remember, he purchased the Angels uh, back in 2003 uh, after they uh, won the World Series. Um, in 2002, um, and he purchased it from Disney at just $184 million. Now, that sounds like a lot of money, but the reason I'm saying just is because one would expect the price tag of that organization to be at least a billion in 2022. So he's going to make a great profit selling this team. And, you know, it's probably going to go even higher than that because, you know, we're talking about a team based in Los Angeles, or rather Orange County, an even better part um, of Southern California. It's going to be a real destination, and you get a new owner in there, I think that franchise could really turn things around. Um, they've been a bit of a disappointment over the last couple of decades. Uh, a few playoff teams in there, but um, ultimately they've kind of been irrelevant, especially for the last decade or so. And that's really tough because they have some of the best stars in the majors. You Obviously, you have Shohei Otani, who, um, you know, He's worth $20, $30 million from one position alone, whether it's pitcher or being a designated hitter. He can do both things. Really one of the great young stars in the majors. And then you have Mike Trout, who could shatter all of the major league records in every category, and just nobody cares. Nobody cares. A lot of that you can't really blame on Moreno or the Angels organization. Part of it has to do with baseball and Major League Baseball and their inability to market their stars. They market teams, not stars. That's a mistake. The NFL markets stars. The NBA certainly markets stars. And that's why those two leagues just have skyrocketed over the last two decades. And Major League Baseball went from probably the top league to maybe third uh, in, in, in America. Uh, you know, you, you could say UFC is better. Major League Soccer is not better. The NHL, um, despite a huge following... Um, in the northern states and in Canada, um, not ahead of baseball, but certainly the NFL and the NBA have leapfrogged well ahead of Major League Baseball over the last couple of decades. And you really want to see an owner come in here to market stars like Otani and Trout. That said, um, putting the Angels on the market means the odds of the Angels dealing Otani or dealing Mike Trout or perhaps Anthony Rendon have gone up significantly. They're going to want to get those massive salaries off the books because you're going to have a new owner coming in and having to pay for these guys. And chances are, you're going to want an owner that's basically going to be venture capitalist, wanting to clean house and start the organization from scratch in a rebuilding process that's going to take place over the course of four or five years. Maybe even potentially build a new stadium, although they've done a lot of upgrades to Angel Stadium. It's not what it was in Angels in the Outfield. Um, you know, it's a nice, nice stadium. I visited a few times. Uh, but, uh, you know, you're going to want to see some improvements there as well um so look if, if if that's what ends up happening you know moreno would not have wanted to trade shohei otani in all likelihood he was the guy who would have said no despite what their general manager wanted to do he's the star of this organization we want him here but now that he's gone i wouldn't be shocked if this offseason we we see otani get dealt somewhere else now i i see five teams that could be potential front runners um, to acquire Otani. Um, the Los Angeles Dodgers, top of the list, they come to mind uh, just because they have not been afraid to spend money. I have no idea what their payroll is. Let me, let me look it up real quick. Uh, they just, the number of stars that they have brought in over the last few years has just been incredible. Um, what is the Dodgers 2022 payroll? Uh, 
let's see, look, they have Freddie Freeman, 27 million, Mookie, 22.5 million, Trey Turner, 21 million, Justin Turner, 20, 20 million. Uh, let's see if I can get the total for you here. Uh, just absolutely nuts uh, that the Dodgers can afford this, but, you know, they have a big stadium, they have a big, uh, a huge draw. Um, yeah, okay, their active payroll is just south of 200 and eight million dollars and they're willing to totally spend more of that so i you would expect they would be a team that would want to trade uh, for otani same deal with the new york yankees although they've been um a little more conscientious of how they spend money of late that said they're still spending money okay um so the yankees and the dodgers you have to put them at the top of that list um the new york mets kind of a a one of the the more wealthier teams in the leagues but they're certainly one of the rising teams in the majors you know you bring in Otani you know they can contend for a World Series this year but you bring in Otani suddenly they're the favorite um, you could also say the same thing about the St. Louis Cardinals um, they're not afraid to spend money in spots and when they do it always works out they're always a competitive franchise um, so those are the four teams and then kind of a distant fifth team is the Boston Red Sox um, as a fan I would certainly love it to bring in Shohei Otani, uh, but Haim Bloom, their current general manager, really does not want to spend. I mean, he dealt Mookie Betts of the Dodgers, um, literally one of two <laughs> marketable, marketable players in all of baseball. He got rid of him. That said, the Red Sox are going to have some contracts coming off the books this year. Um, J.D. Martinez is one of them. We'll see if they're able to, to sign Xander Bogarts um, or Rafael Devers to an extension. Um, of those three guys, if they're going to keep one of them, it's going to be Devers. Um, they have a lot of great infielders coming up um, that can play shortstop or second base. They just signed Trevor Story, who could move to shortstop, but he's their second baseman right now. Um, but, you know, with those contracts coming off the books, the Red Sox have a lot of money. They haven't been afraid to spend money in the past. You know, and Shohei Otani, even if he ends up costing you $30 million a year, maybe higher than that, you know, he's a two-way player. You know, you, you spend that money on one-way players, you're getting a real value there because, you know, he, he plays designated hitter and then he'll pitch every fifth day and he's a Cy Young candidate this year. So um, those are the five teams I think that could trade for Otani, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Mets, the Cardinals, and the Red Sox. Um, but if the Angels are for sale, I would not be surprised if he gets dealt um, this offseason. And, you know, <laughs> they're going to get a really good bid. They're going to get a, a bid north of a billion dollars perhaps somewhere between a billion and one and a half billion in prime real estate, Anaheim, California. You know, you have the Disney connection and, uh, you know, you'd like to see a real owner come in there and, and turn that into a, a premier organization as they should be. Um, so last story here, uh, Patriots training camp, just a quick update for you. Um, the Pats are practicing in Las Vegas this week. They just wrapped up uh, their first joint practice with the Raiders. And, uh, you know, you may say it's kind of bizarre to see an East Coast NFL team travel cross-country for preseason games and practices, uh, but we know the relationship between Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels is strong. Um, the Patriots, they have a similar relationship with the New York Giants, Belichick with that organization. Uh, they've been doing joint practices uh, with the Panthers, and now they're moving on to the Raiders. Um, it's a bit unusual 
uh, because these two teams will play each other for real in December. Um, they also play each other at the end of this week um, in their final uh, preseason game. Uh, but Pats did that last year with the Carolina Panthers, too. So um, they're not afraid to practice with a team that they're going to be playing later. In fact, that intel is often very beneficial for a head coach like Belichick. Of course, Josh McDaniels on the other side uh, knows all his tricks. Uh, but overall, after first practice, there is a stark contrast between the competition of the Carolina Panthers last week and a much, much better Las Vegas Raiders team this week. The Patriots really struggled um, in their first practice today. Um, the offense couldn't really do anything all day until about the final two-minute period. Final period, Mac Jones went 5 for 6, and he hit Kendrick Bourne uh, with a touchdown pass. But overall, in team drills, uh, Mac Jones went 13 of 25, and much of it was due to his offensive line. He threw a couple interceptions, felt rushed. A lot of the same problems we saw at the beginning of last week before Carolina came to town uh, where things improved quite a bit. Um, and New England, you know, had just one positive run um, pretty much all day. You know, a bunch were, were stuffed. Um, the story continued later on. Patriots uh, were stuffed in 11-on-11s. And they just really had a hard time. Um, overall dealing with the defense of the Las Vegas Raiders despite some improvements um, toward the end of practice. That said, the defense was a little bit better than the offense. Um, they earned three would-be sacks of Derek Carr. Um, Matt Judon, Uche, and Bentley all had what would have been sacks. Um, but the corners really struggled um, in a lot of ways. Jalen Mills really couldn't do anything guarding Devontae Adams, who was traded to the Raiders this offseason. He's arguably the best receiver in the league. Uh, Mills went 0 for 3 <laughs> in one-on-ones against Adams, and one of them was just a bad 30-yard fade touchdown pass from Derek Carr. Uh, so, yeah, not a great look. Um, you know, uh, tough one-on-ones. Uh, I guess Adams had a one-handed touchdown catch at one point. Um, but so the DV struggled a little bit, but besides Adams, it wasn't terrible. Um, you know, the, the defense held up, uh, in competitive drills. Uh, they, they, you know, they, they got off to a shaky start, but Jonathan Jones had a pass breakup. Um, the D line continued to put pressure on Derek Carr quite a bit. And, um, the DBs one-on-ones, uh, you know, uh, Hunter Renfro had one Great play beating Miles Bryant, but overall he was contained for the most part. Uh, rookie Jack Jones lost badly in a couple of reps, but he did have a couple of uh, pass breakups there. He's a very solid lockdown defender, by the way. He was drafted um, in the middle rounds this year. Small guy, but really can stick with his defenders. Um, and Marcus Jones uh, lost three of his reps as well. Uh, so kind of an up and down day for the defense and a mostly down day for the offense. Uh, so yeah, not great. The Raiders are a much better team. You know, some people consider them to be a Super Bowl contender. We'll see. I just don't see, think they have that great of an offensive line, and that showed today with the Patriots D line uh, really getting to them. Um, and uh, yeah, that's basically what happened. Uh, Miles Bryant, Marcus Jones, Kyle Duggar, um, and Jerville. Peppers all returned punts, so that's an interesting group there to be returning punts. Um, and uh, Bill Belichick overall was impressed with the Raiders' practice facility. He called it the Taj Mahal 
of football facilities. Um, and then something that was very interesting, Julian Edelman was at practice today um, to observe what the Patriots were doing. There's been some rumors of late that he wants to return uh, to the NFL. He's, he, he misses it, uh, especially during these early days of training camp. I wouldn't buy too much into it. I wouldn't expect Edelman to return. But, you know, him being at practice today, we've also seen a lot of former assistants, Patriots coaches attending practice um, for the potential of growing the coaching staff. We know they're stretched a little thin with Matt Patricia basically having three separate jobs right now, including jobs that he's never done before. Um, you know, I think the Pats are not afraid to bring people in to observe and, and see if they might be a good fit. Not sure that would happen with Edelman, but man, that would be really interesting, uh, especially with uh, rookie Tyquan Thornton going down. Um, he's expected to be out for about eight weeks, although it may be quicker because he's young and, um, you know, it was just a collarbone, collarbone injury. I know that's, that's a bad injury, but um, you would think he'd be able to recover from that uh, fairly quickly. So rocky first day for the Pats. Um, with practicing with the Raiders, but um, you know, really, really good that they're able to get out there and face some real competition. Uh, again, their preseason game uh, with Vegas will be this Friday. Um, so that's it for this edition of Breaking Brad. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Be sure to like and click the subscribe button and the notification bell. And until then, take care.